In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the wake of yet another school shooting, there has been the repeated mantra using various words and phrases about thoughts and prayers. The premise is usually that the people who offer thoughts and prayers are ineffectual and are not taking action at the appropriate time, perhaps not even taking action in the way that those who shout out that thoughts and prayers don't do anything, or they think that they're not acting in a manner that they think they should, taking the course of action at the immediate point in time. And that truly does leave us in a quandary, in a sense of living with one foot on either side of a crevice, and that crevice keeps getting larger and larger, and at some point we must choose which side to stand on, knowing that once we have made that choice, we can never again set foot on the other bank. On one bank is our Christian response, our truly Christian response. Yes, yes, we do offer our prayers. Yes, we grieve alongside those who have suffered loss. Yes, we think and ponder, maybe publicly, maybe privately, what should be done and how we can be instruments of whatever that is. But on the other side of the gap is our everyday life. The conversations we have with our coffee shop buddies, the rattling on of the news media, the opinion of friends that we either agree with wholeheartedly or we disagree with to the point of not even discussing the matter because we know it will only lead to broken relationships, hurt feelings, and even brutal words amongst our friends. In many ways, that life mirrors our account from the Acts of the Apostles and what happened with Paul and Silas in Philippi. Here we have Paul and Silas in a very real sense, minding their own business, keeping to themselves, going to a place, maybe a synagogue, more than likely not, maybe just a remote place, maybe even just outside of the city to pray. When this young girl, who is indeed possessed by a spirit, an unclean spirit that allows her to make prophecies and to tell the secrets of someone heart, someone's heart, shouts after them, calling them out, and perhaps even putting them into danger. Because after all, in a Roman colony like Philippi, one did not just simply worship Jesus. One did not worship Yahweh without approval of the Roman authorities. And the first thing we need to understand is the patience that Paul and Silas possess. There is no hint of a knee-jerk reaction. St. Luke even records this in the first person, mind you, that Paul eventually becomes annoyed, becomes tired of the situation. And this is where I want us to focus our attention this morning for a little while. St. Paul 
knew that this girl was possessed by something that she should not be possessed by. And one of the problems, one of the details that hides under the surface of this reading, but is as plain as day, is no one desired for this girl to be healed. The populace enjoyed the girl as she was. People who owned her as a slave certainly did. They made money off of her. The clients enjoyed her powers of foresight. They probably used it as a tool to know when to plant, whom to marry, what business deals would be the most beneficial. And part of what I think St. Paul's annoyance stems from is not her constant shouting out that they, Paul and Silas, are slaves of Jesus, but that no one, not her family, if she had one, not any friends, not even a stranger on the street or passing through the city, no one, no one desires that this girl be set free from the oppression of this unclean spirit. No one desired this girl to have a better, more true life because they themselves might lose something in the process. They might lose money. They might lose privilege. They might even lose a good laugh. And reflecting back on the Gospels and the life that Jesus led and the way in which he worked, there's this little refrain that echoes throughout, and it is this. Oftentimes, someone else had to be the intercessor to Jesus. They had to bring a case to Jesus so that he could act so that he could heal. Yes, there are cases like the woman who bled for 12 years or blind Bartimaeus who themselves asked and acted through faith on their own behalf. But the overwhelming arc of the story is that people brought the lame. They brought the sick. They called out to Jesus about their dead. Just think about the paralyzed man whose friends, once they realized they could not push through the crowd and get into a house, instead took their friend up to the roof and opened a hole in it and implored Jesus to heal him. I think this is where we intersect with Paul. We might even be asking the question, Well, why did Paul wait many days, according to the account in Acts, why did he wait many days before he ordered the unclean spirit out of the girl? I don't know. None of us do. The reasoning is not found in the scriptures. None of us will know until we meet St. Paul. 
But we can ask that question also. So many other injustices or wrongs that we know about. Why did it take several hundred years of slave trading before William Wilberforce stood up in the Parliament of England? It took him a remarkable 18 years from 1789 through a war with France until 1807 to push through the Slave Trade Act. And it pushed through with royal assent, no less. Furthermore, Wilberforce is claimed to have had a panic attack or a mental breakdown or some crisis. It was a conversion, a turning around and seeing the wrong being done for what it truly was. Why did more Germans not purchase redeemed Jews to work during the Holocaust like Oskar Schindler? who first began in order to keep his factories open, but then he too had a conversion and saw evil for what it was. There is something about time, something about watching and seeing what is truly happening, how best to act, Maybe how best even to devise a strategy that is true. And that is also for us as Christians a time to be steeped in prayer. To be praying not only for God to act, for God to do something to change this world. But it is also a time for us to listen to truly listen and to be receptive to what God is calling you and me to do. Prayer is not just some meditation, some event of quiet where we contemplate life, but prayer is indeed a conversation with God, with the Almighty, in which we lift up our greatest joys and our deepest woes. Paul and Silas not only went somewhere to pray when they were walking through the city, they prayed and sang hymns in prison until the doors were flung open and their bonds were released. So after prayer, then what? Paul himself felt for forced to act, felt the need to do something about the young girl for her own justice, not his. And reading this passage, I'm finding it more plausible with each reading that Paul and Silas acted not out of the annoyance that she was giving them, saying to themselves, I wish she would just stop. Rather, the annoyance was that they could see the injustice being perpetrated on this girl and moved out of pity, perhaps even anger. 
for her. But there is no way, not one way possible, that Paul could have acted had it not been for his prayers, for his thoughts and prayers. It is only because of his prayers that he knew what the situation demanded. It is only because of prayer that he could call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to release this girl. It is only because of prayer that he and Silas, after being beaten with rods and thrown into prison, could unlock the shackles that bound them and fling wide the doors to their cells. Prayer does indeed change situations whether the public out there realizes it or not. Countless people in history have been changed because of prayer. Think about Archbishop Oscar Romero, who as a Roman Catholic priest in El Salvador didn't understand what all the fuss was about with the junta and was, of course, wined and dined by party officials. But after a close friend of his was killed by the political powers, he was moved by his life of prayer to begin to oppose a brutal and murderous government, which eventually led to his assassination on March 24, 1980, while he was saying Mass in the chapel at a hospital. Or Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who learned to pray at seminary and hated it, absolutely hated it, until he realized that the only way he would ever survive the demands of being a priest, and later as a bishop and archbishop, had to be rooted in prayer. And it was those prayers that helped turn the tide of apartheid in South Africa. Now, far be it for me to make a statement about political policy from here in this pulpit, but I will say this. We as Christians, we bear that mark. We claim to be Christ followers. We as Christians must always be seeking the most life-giving life-embracing of solutions. After the massacre in Uvalde, things will never be the same for us again. And this is indeed when we as Christians need to be praying. We need to pray that we can become more aware and in tune with the people around us, particularly the lonely, the distressed. Look after those who find no place in a more solitary and isolated world. But yes, we do have to put our prayers into action when the time comes. We can pray for changes to be made to this world we live in, but until we become the agents of this change, of this new creation that we have been focusing on during this Easter tide, 
This new creation will never come in the way that Jesus intends. There is a phrase that is one of the governing principles of our liturgical worship. Lex orande, lex credendi. The law of prayer is the law of belief. What we pray, what we say during this liturgy, what we say to God during our own solitary moments is what we believe. What you pray, how you pray, tells you and others what you actually believe. That is why we use a book, the Book of Common Prayer, to help guide our prayers because they speak and now sometimes not always fully but more often than not in ways that we may have a hard time ourselves saying and expressing many of these prayers speak to those great desires of our hearts that have been gathered up throughout the centuries one of our prayers Perhaps the one we should be saying daily right now is the prayer with with which St. John ends Revelation. Come, Lord Jesus. When we hear of events that shake the foundation of our soul, It's a simple, easy prayer. Actually, it may not be that easy after all. But it is simple. Come, Lord Jesus. When we think of all the destruction, the hypocrisy, the pain and anguish of this world, our response is, Come, Lord Jesus. But we sit beside the dying, the grieving, the brokenhearted. Come, Lord Jesus. And when we don't know what to do, when we're afraid to take that next step because we might trip and fall over, our prayer is, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Quickly come and save us from this present evil age. Bring the glory of your kingdom into the here and now. Come, Lord Jesus. Abide with us. Now and evermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.